Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk all about Cody and Brody Lee in a dog collar match for the TNT Championship. We talk about not only the match, but what happens after, and how about the involvement of Greg the Hammer Valentine, the king of the dog collar match from Starcade 83. Also, we talk to Christian, not only about the new movie that he's involved in, Cage Fighter, but also about his career and also his role with Backstage. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. One of the stars from last night, without a doubt, and I know we were celebrating 30 years of Chris Jericho, Bully, but wow, what a night for Cody Rhodes. Congratulations to Cody getting back that TNT championship. All right. What aspect of uh, the dog collar match would you like to start on? Where do you want to go first? Well, I mean, first of all, before we even get to the dog collar match, We just heard from Cody after the dog collar match. And he talked about that. And he's not chasing the hug here, bully. He's being completely honest. He's a man of the people. He is there for the people. A lot of people thought that he was going down a dark path. Maybe that might have even been mentioned here on Busted Open. You know, and then you saw an attitude change a little bit from Cody. Then he changes the hair color. We think he might be going down that dark path, but according to Cody, Bully, that is not the way things are happening right now. Unless he's getting ready to bait and switch everybody. Maybe. That was a real, real, real cheesy babyface promo last night. And not cheesy good, not cheesy bad. Yeah. That was a love me, love me, love me promo. I love you. Please love me. I'll always be here for you. I'll never turn my back on you. I won't go down the dark path. You can always trust me. I'm good guy Cody. And just when you lure him in, that's when you stick him. Stick him. Ha, ha, ha. Stick him. If Mark (laughs) is listening to the show right now and he heard me do that, he is popping out of his Texas socks. Um... So, yeah, you know, end of the match, you know, Cody being the, the, the face of the company, very uh, endearing promo, people love him. But I listened closely, like after last night, after Cody did his promo, people were chanting and they were they were really there for them. The amount, whatever, two, three hundred people, however many people at Daly's Place, they love Cody. They love this promo. Did you hear the response when Orange Cassidy came out? Yes, I did. More of a response for Orange Cassidy than for Cody last night. I heard a, a much bigger response for Orange Cassidy last night. Yep. Chanting freshly squeezed. And if you're going to turn on somebody 
or if you even had a thought or an inkling, like next week, what are we going to get? Uber babyface Cody versus Uber babyface Orange Cassidy? A match needs heat. Now, could one guy assume the heelish, quote-unquote, role in one match? Sure. But what's, what's going to be the purpose of next week? What are we going to do? Have Cody versus Orange in a catch-as-catch-can, you know, wrestling match where we're going to exchange holds and maneuvers? I'll no. start yawning right now. That's not what I want to see. He talked and, about oh, the, dark, the dark path also. Yes, he did. He did. And oh, the other thing, too, when it comes to Orange Cassidy, like, you know, we've seen Cody, especially when he was holding that TNT championship, and now he's holding it again, having the open challenges. We've seen him, you know, beat guys, but, but wrestlers get over. You know, maybe they didn't win the match, but they definitely got over with the AEW fan base. Been there, done that with Orange Cassidy, bully. Jericho filled that role nicely for Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is as over as any wrestler could be right now in AEW. He doesn't need that push from Cody. He's already there. It's going to be interesting to see how the fan base reacts to Cody when he's in the ring with Orange Cassidy next week. He's even going as far as, as uh, you know, texting his fans, I know T Cody does that texting thing where, if he, you know, he can mass text fans on a certain phone number. And uh, he sent out a text, I believe, uh, this morning, it might have been. Um, it said, thank you to all. I couldn't ask for better fans. This run has been the time of my life. Thanks for following me from age 20 to now. It's genuinely a wrestler's dream to be able to provide hope escape or just incite any love across the barricade now that's that's uber babyface 101 which is great because if you're staying the face of the company which cody has been built up to be that's awesome but it's also a great way to lure fans in that final that final pull where they're so enamored with you, so in love with you, and that's when you do them dirty. That's when you rip the, the, the carpet out right from underneath them so that when they, when, when they fall down and they look up, they're in complete disbelief, and they're looking at you and saying, why, Cody, why? Why would you do this to us? We followed you. We followed you from... from from when you were in Ring of Honor, we followed you and the Bucks, and w we sold out all in in 28 minutes, and we've been behind you and your, your brother and Dusty and your family and what you meant to us. How could you do this to us? If Cody ever turned, people would take it personally. How many people today, how many fans today take shit personally when it comes to wrestling? Personally? Ugh. We don't have that level of no. real heat. No. Having, a having a talk with Snake the other day, uh, he told me when he was like 15 years old, he got to see a match at the uh, Olympic Auditorium, and he got to see Shavo Classic versus Piper in the main event. Now, if you know anything about West Coast wrestling, you know that the Guerreros on the West Coast walked on water. Biggest you know, baby and, faces and, yeah. ever in history, yes. And, and Piper in, on the West Coast would practically rename Satan. So the, the amount of heat 
that they had that night. And he was telling me, like, heat like that, you, you don't, just don't experience anymore. Well, if Cody were to ever turn his back on the AEW fan base, you would get heat like that because they would despise him for it. Or at least in today's day and age, I would hope they would despise him for it and not be like, yay, Cody, we love you as a heel because that would be counterproductive. Well, especially too, like think about it a little bit, and I, and I, and we are going to get into the dog collar match because it deserves to be talked about. But this is a fascinating discussion because Cody is the guy behind AEW. Cody was that guy that everybody was cheering for at All In, you know, when he won that NWA championship. You know, he has put the work in. He is the guy that bet on himself, you know, leaving the WWE. And then what we're seeing now with the formation of AEW. Who's who's Orange Cassidy? Orange Cassidy is the laziest wrestler on the face of the earth. He is completely the opposite of Cody. Cody's all about putting the work in. Blood, sweat, and tears. Orange Cassidy is like, let me put my hands in my pocket, gradually get into the ring and yawn while I'm wearing shades. Vastly different, but probably right now, more people are behind Orange Cassidy than they are Cody. You heard the reaction last night. Yep. Listen, I don't care if there's one person there or if there's 100,000 people there. It's apples to apples. You heard the response for Cody when he won and his speech afterwards, and then you heard the response for Orange Cassidy. Those people were significantly more vocal for Orange than they were for Cody. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films... To talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. Seriously, when I think dog collar matches, I know we've seen dog collar matches since then. But I, th- I think the, the, the foundation of the dog collar match, where every dog collar match is going to be compared to, is Piper and Valentine from Starcade 83. Greg DeHammer Valentine was in attendance last night for that dog collar match. And you mentioned earlier on in the show about the facial expressions from Greg DeHammer Valentine. I think he could be proud watching Brody Lee and Cody. I thought they did a phenomenal job of telling a story. Cody won. Cody won that TNT championship back. But you know where I gained a lot of respect for last night, Bully? Is Brody Lee. Brody Lee was awesome in that dog collar match last night. And, you know, I, I thought both shined, both Cody and Brody, last night on AEW Dynamite. I enjoyed the dog collar match last night. I think they did a great job. I think they're going to do a monster rating uh, while the dog collar match was uh, on being performed. Uh, the NXT was in a commercial break. So I think that that quarter hour going across the top of the hour is going to be Really good, and think about it. You, you, on the on one channel, you just got a regular wrestling match. On the other, between Austin Theory and um, and uh, Sam Shaw, what's Sam Shaw's name now? Jeez, uh, 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 Louise, I, it's it's always going to be Sam Shaw to me. For that God's sakes, uh, no, uh, come on, I, I'm not, we're not going. It's a uh, uh, Dexter uh, Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis, yes, Dexter so Loomis. <laughs> you got that going up against a dog collar match with double yeah. with double uh, with double bleeding and all this stuff. So. Uh, it would be interesting to see. I still don't know why they had the match. 
I don't think the story was there enough for me, but they had the match. It went well. My favorite part of the match, Greg Valentine. And I'll tell you why. Watching Valentine watch the match with his subtle facial expressions told such a story. I'm watching Valentine relive his match with Piper. And all I, and you can see it in his eyes. You could see it in his face. And then that got backed up by JR. Yep. JR told me that Valentine was reliving his dog collar match through Cody and Brody. And that instantly for me put tons of credibility on that match. Greg Valentine decided to crawl out of, well, come off the beach for 10 minutes to show up to watch a dog collar match, a match that he helped make famous. To me, that little moment in time means so much. Yes, the performance from Cody and Brody was great. Yes, they did a good job with the match. Uh, I thought they could have done a better job with the finish because I didn't like Cody just getting up right after a dragon German suplex on his head, which didn't make a lot of sense to me, but whatever. Good job around the horn. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. All right, let's go out to Corey in Philly. What's going on, Corey? Corey, what did you want to say about Cody? Uh, real quick um, about Cody last night, and I might, I'm might i not the only one to see this, but I'll tell you something that they can do with Cody, and and I don't know if Bully will get along with it, but here's, here's what I thought yesterday. Right after that match, the Dark Order came out, and they looked stunned that Brody Lee lost, and I don't know if that's planting a seed that maybe one guy or two guys starts to talk to Cody because they've just seen their leader go down like that. But that was a great seed. I think that was planted. If you want to change Cody, maybe you have him take over the dark order or not him specifically, but they come to him seeing that their leader was just brought to his knees last night. Cause they look bewildered up there on that stage after that loss. So I think that's a good way that you can get heat on Cody if you needed to. I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but all I'm going to say is this. Order 66. Hmm. Meaning? Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Order 66. Okay, Corey. Wow. I love right now Ed Robinson is shaking his head and I love the fact that he gets it. Ed gets it. You don't, Dave, and I'm not shocked. (laughs) I don't get it either. Hey, can I just make one quick point about something else? (laughs) Yeah, get your shit in. Wait wait a second. Wait a second. Let me ask you this. Uh, You know what? 
Corey, do you are you a Star Wars fan? Yes, I am, but they, well, it's not hitting me right I, guess, I thought maybe I thought it might have been a Star Wars reference, but I guess it's not. It, I, it, and, and one other thing, real quick, Ember Moon. I love Ember Moon being back, but I I would have loved to have seen Ember Moon come back as a member of the Hurt business. Maybe it's me. And I'm not the only one. I uh, other friends have said the same thing. I would have loved to have seen her come back as a member of the Hurt business. Well, I mean, and, and Corey, all right. That I mean, that, that would be great. I mean, she's on NXT. Um, obviously, she had a promo. wasn't wasn't great, but you know, she's after that championship. Well, that's fine. You, to me, like Ember Moon, you're just coming back. You've been gone for a very long time. You haven't been NXT in a while because the last time we saw you was on the main roster. Like she's got to work her way up. She doesn't just get an, a championship opportunity just because you were once on the main roster and now you're with NXT. I would hope that they have her, you know, start from the bottom and work her way up, Bully. I do love the idea of a female in the Hurt Business. That would be cool. And the, one, the female that would fit best is Bianca Belair, but I, I, I don't think it's the right fit. She would work, but it's not the right fit for her right now. So I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain. So what's this star 69 thing? Like, what's that? What are you talking about? Well, you'd mentioned star 69 is when you star 69 is when you get a call and you didn't get to the call quick enough. Then you star 69 it. And then it calls back the other. That's star 69. Okay. What did you say? Uh, order special number two. I said order 66. Order 66. Is that some kind of like menu? I mean, I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not giving you anything else than that. That's what you get. Now, if you want to go ahead and look into Order 66, you go right ahead. Well, it's not. Well, Corey's a big said he's a big Star Wars fan, so I know it's not a Star Wars thing. So is it a wrestling thing that I've forgotten about or something? Dave, this is not 20 questions. That's all you're getting. Order 66. Let's go out to Wes. Go ahead. No, no, say we. No, I was going to say, can we get to another call, please? Wes in Jacksonville. What did you want to say about AEW last? Wes, do you know anything about this Order 69? I I think he said Order 66, and and I don't. When as soon as he said Order, I was I was thinking like you know McDonald's drive through. That's what got me kind of. That's what I'm thinking. Is it like the big? Is it like one of those veggie Big Macs or something? it, it, if it is, it better be worth it because I don't. Yeah, I do you know what, Wes? I'm going to cheat. I'm going to Google. What do you got, Wes? There you go. So, so it's been a while since um, I've watched a Dynamite, and uh, for the next week, I'm like, man, I, I really want to go to that next Dynamite since I'm here in Jacksonville. It's been a while since I had that. Um, this past week got me excited again for Dynamite, just like I have been in the past. Um, I think the, the only negative that I even got out of the entire show, I love the card, was Luther looked so excited and so nervous. Um, how much he was shaking on the top rope when he went up there, I, I feel like he was kind of everywhere last night. Um, but that was like the only negative that got out of the show. Um, I, one real cool thing that came out of it was seeing Greg the Hammer Valentine and my girlfriend asking who is that, explaining who it is, and asking if he has footage on the uh, on the network um, just seeing him and hearing the story that jr was telling she asked me i, I want to see that match and that that was awesome kudos to jr for telling that story about greg and getting people uh, involved in the background of the dog collar match 
Um, I I loved every piece of that. I'm glad I didn't go to this show because I feel like I would have missed some of the fine details, like the credits at the end where Jericho's name on is on everything. Pure gold. Um, now next week, I'm even more excited. I'm probably going to attend next week as long as there's tickets that will be available for that one year anniversary. Um, but my, by far, my favorite part of that show was that dog collar match, seeing the aggression from Cody. Um, cause there's three things that are, that are in our life that are completely, um, facts that you're going to have to go through. And that is uh, death taxes and watching Cody bleed during a big match. Um, you expect those three things in life and Cody made sure that, uh, both of them got to show some color, but man, the, the energy from bell to bell from eight to 10 was unlike any other thing. And I didn't even want to look at NXT. Um, I never wanted to change the channel once because of how involved I was and they got me right to where I want to be. And uh, they got me wanting to buy tickets again. So all in all, uh, successful show. And I can't wait to go next week. All right. Awesome call, Wes. Thanks for the phone call. Pop. <laughs> Fucking. I, I, I went to Wikipedia, by the way, not Wikipedia, Wikipedia to find out like what this Order 66 is. And it's not even from one of the movies. It's from like a cartoon. It's like a Star Wars cartoon. That's oh. not true. What? Tell him, Ed. Go ahead, Ed. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you one hint. Execute Order 66. Is that coming from? Um, and it's pronounced Wikipedia. Get it I'm right. Sorry. Yeah. I apologize. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I should have answered that question in in my robot voice. And apologize for that. You know, I'll try to talk like I'll try to talk like a Jedi next time I uh, answer one of your questions. Stupid ass, you are. <laughs> oh, where am I right now? Where am I? Hello. I Gabby, help me here, Gabby. The nerd, was, the nerd meter please. is high. It's high right please. now. Help me, Gabby. Please, yeah, I, I check Yoda. out with the Star Wars stuff. You I don't. I, I don't even know the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. And you're asking <gasps> me. I don't know. Uh, cut her mic. Ugh. Cut her mic and get us guns back. I'd no, never do that. To let's you, not Dave. go crazy. Let's not. What? Let's not get <laughs> one, crazy, please. One is in a galaxy far, far, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, and the other mm-hmm. is a utopian vision of our Earth society. That's yep. the difference. I was. Uh, I was F- fascinating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you got me. You got me. At, I was. At, you got me at hello. I was more <laughs> of a space nineteen ninety nine guy to myself. I was mesmerized by it. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Coming available tomorrow, Bully, video on demand, Cage Fighter is going to be available. We're going to get into that movie and what you can get and what you can do tomorrow to be a part of it. And who better to talk to than somebody who is a part of Cage Fighter who joins us now. And that is the legendary Christian joins us right now. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Apparently, I'm here to save your show. So you tell me what. 
and I and listen, I don't know if you're a fan, and I'm sorry to bring you in on this conversation, but like Ed Robinson, our new producer, bully Hall <laughs> of Famer, freaking talking Star Wars like it's going out of style. They're talking yeah. about Order sixty six. I have no idea what they're talking about. It sounds like something that's on a McDonald's menu. I don't know if you're a fan, but please save us, sir. Thank you. Uh, I don't know a lot about Star Wars, to be honest Good. with you. So you know what? I'm straight to heaven. You. you pass. Yeah, yeah. So well, he gets a pass except- because he's making movies like Cage Fighter. He's busy making <laughs> movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you, was- you have. I mean, let, let's get into Cage Fighter. Let's stop the Star right. Wars talk. Let's get into Cage Fighter. It's available tomorrow on video on demand. You're a big part of it. Talk about the movie, and uh, again, how you got involved with it. Yeah, so it's it's kind of um, you know it's a type of movie that's that's it's very relevant right now as we see a lot of crossover um, with with wrestlers going into MMA and vice versa, and um, you know the story is is of a pro wrestler that crosses over into uh, into MMA and you know he's obviously um, you know gets gets uh, painted with the the, the fake brush uh, as as you know that's the easy thing to go to for a for um from somebody from the MMA community to go after wrestling and uh it's just like i said it's very um there's also you know it goes deeper than fighting as well there's life stories in there as well uh and those sorts of things but i got um involved in it um i did a independent movie in canada a few years ago and uh the producer from that movie knew the producer from this movie um guy named shane putzlocker and um he uh said oh you should send jay the script and he, uh, he was a, a a fan. So he, he knew who I was and sent me the script and I, and I made some suggestions on it on the wrestling side of things. And then he asked me if I want to come board as a, as a executive producer on it. And, um, you know, I'd never done anything like that before and thought it'd be a fun challenge. And, uh, if nothing else, I would learn some, some things along the way. So that's, uh, that's basically how, how I got in on it. And, um, you know, kind of on the ground floor from this movie from, you know, before it was uh, even cast and, and it was, lo- it was exciting watching it come together and then, uh, seeing it shot and now uh, about to uh, to go on to band in theaters tomorrow. So it's pretty exciting. Christian, as executive producer of Cage Fighter or one of the executive producers, what are your responsibilities for the movie? Like, what did you do on a day-to-day basis? I, I think, if, if anything, the title sounds more important than I was to the movie, to be honest with you. <laughs> it was basically okay. a lot of meaning. No, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously, but it was basically meetings and, and just, um, you know, going over rewrites and stuff like that with the script and, and, you know, things changing as far as like casting and stuff like that goes and locations. And, um, you know, you're trying to lock down places and, um, you know, we had a couple of hiccups along the way. Um, at, at one point, um, it was going to be shot overseas. And then, uh, and then another point there was going to be parts of it that were shot in Toronto. And then that, um, some unfortunate things happened there. And then we ended up shooting the, the entire thing in Saskatchewan, uh, in November, which is really cool. But, um, you know, just kind of a lot of meetings and like I said, just, just, um, doing all the, just, you know, <laughs> trying to connect all the dots to get, to, to get this thing to shooting and, and then, and then be on there. So you're a very creative person. We know about your mind in the world of pro wrestling and your vision for things. we got guys like Randy Orton constantly putting you over for your vision and your creativity. I've spoke very high of you, uh, highly of you. Were people in the movie world uh, open to the changes that you wanted to make for the movie or your vision for it? 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think also because they, they respected the fact that, that what I was, I was telling from a wrestling perspective, I was like, if you, it depends on how, how real and how Hollywood you want this, you know? And I would, you know, so giving my, my perspective from a wrestler's point of view, I think was important to the film and they were all very, very open to, to my ideas and uh, the whole, everybody got along great from, from, from top to bottom, everybody worked together on this film and um, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, everybody was, was very, very open and, and uh, welcoming. And obviously, like I said, being inexperienced um, in a producer role, um, you know, like, like my ideas were all um, to, to, to try to help from, from my perspective, how we can make this uh, as real as possible. So and again, Cage Fighter Worlds Collide is available tomorrow, video on demand. Looking forward to definitely checking it out because, as you said, this crossover is happening in the world of pro wrestling and MMA right now. And I kind of like the way that it's set up in the movie because you you have John Moxley, who is the professional wrestler in the movie that's crossing over into this world. So it's very, very timely. And is this a movie that you think, because I know for myself doing this show, a lot of wrestling fans aren't into the world of MMA and vice versa. A lot of MMA fans are not into the world of pro wrestling. Do you think there's a nice mix and balance in this movie that both fan bases will enjoy it? Yeah. Well, it, it's not a wrestling movie. It's, it's an MMA movie, but it's, but there's obviously, like I said, there's appeal with the crossover that we see happening right now. And I think I don't want to give any spoilers away from the movie, but to me, the important thing was, is that the, the pro wrestler, is presented as a legit athlete, which is what we're always as pro wrestlers fighting for is, is, is legitimacy, you know, as, as see, as, cause what we do is, is athletic. It's, it's a, it's a real sport. It's, it's, um, you know, I'm not going to pull the wool over anybody, anybody's eyes and, and try to make it something that it's not, but it's also very physical. You know, we see careers end because of injury. So that aspect of it, the physicality is very much real. So to, to, I think it was important for me in this to make sure um, that the, the wrestler was, um, was presented, uh, in a respectful way. And I think that, uh, that it was interesting of the timing of the release of the movie tomorrow. Um, and one of the guests that we had on last week was Ken Shamrock. And I asked Ken about his time in the world of MMA and in time in pro wrestling. You talked about how Hollywood, you know, paints pro wrestling with that fake brush and only those who are involved truly no, Ken went on record to say professional wrestling was a lot more taxing and a lot more grueling on his body than the world of MMA. He said, I trained for tw 12 weeks, have a fight and then take 12 weeks off. Um, did this movie um, bring you into the world of MMA a lot more? And like, have you met a lot of MMA guys who paint pro wrestling still with that fake brush? No, I mean, I didn't do any like obviously um i had a, a small part in, in the movie and then but i was like a obviously like like what you guys are doing i was a radio host that hosted a, a popular mma show so i didn't do any physicality or training or anything like that but um you know uh chuck liddell's in the movie and luke rockhold is in the movie and i had a chance to talk with those guys and they're both they were super like super really nice and you know this having some conversations about um you know what they do and what and what we do it's funny how you know, not just with MMA and wrestling, but other, other, uh, sports and forms of entertainment, you know, it's the same tree. It's different branches, right. It is really what it is. And, um, have the similarities in, in things, um, 
you know, the, the behind the scenes things and the preparation and all those, and all those sorts of things are, are, you know, there's, there's similarities. There really is. And I think that um, from talking with them and them talking to me and getting to know each other a little bit, I think we we both found a new respect for what it was the other, other guy um, had done in their careers. And I thought that was pretty cool. Any cool stories like, you know, Gina Gershon, I, you know, big fan of hers and she's been yeah, in great awesome. movies. Like any yeah. stories that you could share with like, you know, any dealings with any of the actors or actresses in the movie? Yeah, I got to do um, a, a couple really um, cool scenes with, with Gina Gershon. And um, obviously, um, you know, she's an amazing actor. Um, it's been in a lot of films, a lot of television shows. Um, so anytime you get to work with somebody that's better than you, you can't help but up your game as well. And we both had had um, really long days and um, we were like the last two scenes of the day and it was like 1130, almost midnight. And, you know, we're both trying to you know learn all this dialogue. It was a lot of pages. And um, so we did a couple of them and then we're, we're just like, Hey, you just want to just kind of add up here and see what we get. And we just went and they just let us go. And it was so like, when you work with somebody like that, like it's it, even in wrestling perspective, when you get in the ring with somebody and they bring you up a level, there's something very cool about that. And, the, and some light bulbs kind of go on in that, uh, at that point in time, I think, and it was the same thing kind of happened for me in that, in that sense where um, when I was working with her um, and just kind of feeding off of, um, of what she was, she was doing and, and, and learning in the process was, was pretty awesome. And um, yeah, it was a very, very cool uh, thing for me to, to get to experience. As executive producer, don't you think you should have rewritten one of the scenes where you could kiss Gina Gershon? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have did. <laughs> I would have politicked a rewrite in an instant. <laughs> is, 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 is Gina, like, the people that you worked with on, the, on this movie, are these the biggest quote-unquote stars that you've dealt with so far in your career? Um, I've actually... Um... Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, she's an amazing actress, very accomplished. Um, uh, but I've done, I did a movie like 2005-ish. I had a small part in a movie with Clive Owen, was in that in Paul Giamatti. Um, so I met them briefly, and they were very nice. Um, but, yeah. Is, and, is Hollywood the next step for you? Um, I don't think, I just like doing like different things. You know, I, I just like to have like, uh, my hand in a bunch of different pots, you know, I, I just, whatever is challenging to me right now, I'd like to do, I don't want to specifically say, yeah, I'm just going to try to act or I'm just going to try to be a producer. Like the producer thing fell into my lap and I really had a lot of fun doing it. And hopefully I'll get a chance to do it again at some point. Um, but yeah. And, and like, you know, like I enjoyed doing like backstage and, and, um, and being an analyst and those sorts of things. I like doing everything. So, um, I'm kind of open to, you know, whatever kind of happens and just trying to keep knocking on doors and, and go from there. Well, coming off the heels of like the edge and Christian show and what we saw with the, with the show that was on the network, you seem like you're a natural for comedy for sure. Yeah. I had a lot of fun doing, doing that. Show. Obviously we had no business, you know, having as much fun as we, <laughs> as we did, you know, doing that show, it was just a, a blast. And, and, uh, obviously also, um, you know, something very cool to uh nothing like that ever been done before a variety show you know with a wrestling theme like it was just kind of unheard of and um we just we had a blast and it was a lot we learned a lot writing and producing that as well so um yeah uh, like i said i've i've always you know enjoyed comedy and i'm a pretty sarcastic guy and so i think that uh it kind of goes hand in hand 
What's it like working with Tommy Dreamer? The worst. <laughs> I don't think I need. <laughs> I just I love Tom. Tommy's my punching bag. I love Tommy. You know that. Sometimes I look at him. I just want to. I just want to hit him for some reason. Dave, I told you. <laughs> oh, Tommy's awesome. I love Tommy. Doesn't hook when the you guys matches. So when when backstage first started, like there was a lot of pomp and circumstance. Everybody was excited for the show. I thought you did an amazing job on the show. I, I really liked everybody that was there, but for some reason, it always felt to me like it wasn't exactly hitting its stride or its potential. Do you have an opinion on why things might have went awry with backstage? Yeah, I think that. Um... I don't think it went awry. I think it was like any new show. It's a work in progress. I mean, even like equating it back to like, we talked, just talked about the edge and Christian show. I mean, the first half of that first season I thought was not very good at all. And it, it took, you know, um, some, some different trials and errors to see what it was that fit. And, um, a show like that hadn't really been done before. So I think that there, like, you know, with the, the promo school and the different you know segments, just trying to find, um, the proper footing. And I think that, um, you know, like anything, some, some shows were, were, were better than others. And, it, but that's the way it goes when you have a show in its infancy and you're trying to, to build it up and you're trying to, um, but like, you know, even when it ended, you know, I'd heard like, Oh, you know, like it, it, it didn't get canceled because of ratings. If that's what people thought, um, the rating, they were actually really happy with the ratings. The ratings were actually very strong. And, um, uh, I, whatever was, was in that, whatever was in that time slot before backstage did a fraction of the ratings um, that the backstage did. And then um, also the replay oftentimes would do just as very close to the original rating. And then the, obviously the, 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 um, the YouTube views and the social media views, it was, it was really well watched show actually. So you can't just go off that, that number of that first viewing. There was more to it than that. So, um, but it was just, um, you know, a victim of, of circumstance of, of the kind of time that we're living in right now. And it was uh, unfortunate and um, we hate to see anybody, um, you know, get, get put out of work uh, for any, any reason at all. It's tough. You were excellent in that show. I thought, I thought you were really the glue, you know, in that show. And I thought the role that you played in that show was fantastic. Is that something that you would like to do more of? Because I, I'm, I'm being serious when I say, I thought you were excellent in the role that you I'm played being, on that show. I'm being, I'm being serious when I say I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I, I had, He's being I had serious, of- by the way, because Christian has a massive ego. No, I'm serious too. He was, I because I mean, people, he no, was. seriously, but it was, a, it was a tough position to be in because you had Paige, you know, and, and I'm sure that somebody had to reel in from time to time. And then you have like everybody, you know, was wanted to hear what CM Punk had to say, but you were really the kind of glue on that show that held everything together. Well, that's why I dubbed my stuff the, uh, the backstage Buddha. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> No, it was, uh, of course, you know, I, uh, I, I really, really love doing that show. I can't stress it enough. And uh, the P, all the people at Fox were unbelievable, treated us incredibly well. Um, it was so much fun going out there um, and, and doing that show. And, and the cast, no matter who is there on a weekly basis, everybody got along. Um, there, was, there was really, I think the first couple of shows, I think it was myself, Booker, Renee, and Paige. And we just, 
Um, we had a really good chemistry, the four of us, but everybody um, really did. And even when Mark Henry came out and was added, you know, he did great and uh, added a different element to the show as well. And, you know, Booker's Booker, he's entertainment uh, 100% from, from the time that light goes on, you know, he's awesome. And Renee is, is just amazing at what she does. She's, she's just great. So um, it would, it made it, you know, being surrounded by, by people like that, that were they're really good at what they do, made it, uh, made it easier for me as well. And when you're hanging out what, with friends, it's what it feels like. It feels like you're just having a conversation with your friends. You know, that's, that's really what it's about. Did it, did it feel like, like what, you know, with CM Punk, cause everybody was so interested in, in what Punk had to say. Did, did it feel like he was into it? Did it feel like he was into wrestling again? Okay. Well, I think that he took it seriously. I don't think he would have done it if he, if he was just going to come in and, and, and half-ass it like that. I, I never known him to be that type of guy. And I don't see why he would, he would do that. But the, the few times that I went out and he was on the show, he was hundred percent present and like super into everything. And, um, had his finger on the pulse of everything that was going on. So he took it very, very seriously. And I thought he did a good job. Are you a fan of pro wrestling these days? Am I? Uh, yeah. Of course. I'm always a fan. Are you? Sure. I'm a fan. I'm, I'm critical of it just because of knowing what can be done and the potential. And I know you are, you also look at things through a very critical eye. Do you have yeah. an opinion on uh, it, what's catching your eye? What are you really enjoying? Well, the, I think, you know, and like, you, you know, you don't want to, it's hard too. Cause it's like, oh man, they don't want to be like the old uh, um, kind of crusty veteran that, that criticizes everything. Right. Like that's, that's not it. But I'm also like, I'm a details guy. Like that was always my thing. And I thought the details added up and really made a match. And I don't, I see at this point in time, a lot of details being left out and um, it's a little concerning, you know? And I think that it's just, I don't know if it's the, the age we live in or, or that, that everything has to happen so fast, but um, actually the, I know there was a lot of um, talk about the, uh, the, the retribution thing, but I really liked um, with Ali being um, put in the forefront there. I, I'd like to see where that goes. I, that actually has really caught my eye. Why do you think Ali is a good choice to be in the forefront as of right now? Oh, well, I think that he's, he's got a lot of untapped potential and I like the, you know, we haven't really uh, had a chance to, to, to see any layers of his personality. I don't think, and I think that there's a lot there. And I think that, um, um, you know, I'm interested to see how that unfolds and how he builds on it now that he's got an opportunity. And that's what, you know, everybody need, uh, you know, kind of works for that opportunity to show what they can do. And he's got it now. So I'm really, really uh, interested in hoping that he can uh, hit it out of the park on this. So you, you bro, I got to ask this one question, Christian, because as a details guy, and obviously I know you're a details guy, there was something that happened on the show last week that kind of, uh, kind of bothered me. Um, and we mm -hmm. talked about it with Dave and, I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. So why are four legends sitting in the back playing poker and not watching their guy, Drew McIntyre, have his match? He, didn't, he wasn't having it yet, was he? Yeah. Something had started. <laughs> it's, well, it's, a it's a creative thing, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just the way the, the show is written or, or what have you, but... Um, yeah, I don't. I can't. Uh, you know, we're just uh, we hadn't seen each other for a while, so hanging out, playing poker, catching up on, on some old road stories. You know, Fair enough. 
Uh, one thing that we're loving right now is the story with Randy, Drew, and obviously the foundation that was set with Edge. I mean, how fun has it been for you to be a part of this story? Because it really is doing amazing stuff on Raw. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And I think that, uh, um, you know, Randy, I think for as long as he's he's been in the business, this is, you know, he was, like, when I was working with him for the world title in 2011, um, I remember watching a monitor in the back and he was, I can't remember who he was wrestling and uh, I was standing there with Cena and we weren't really saying anything. And like the match ended and he kind of, he looked at me and I looked at him and I said, I said to John, I said, the scary thing is he doesn't even know how good he is. And then, and Cena goes, he has no clue. And like, that's the thing about Randy. He's just so naturally gifted at what he does. He can't tell you why he does the things he does. They just come naturally to him. And uh, you know, to see him now take it to even a different level, even with his promos and his, his, um, his demeanor and his performances in the ring, man, I just, uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, uh, and it's been, it's been, you know, um, you know, obviously seeing Adam come back from the injury and in, in the, in the whole thing, um, from retirement, it's just, uh, adding layers to, to the whole kind of story and the, the, um, obviously the, the feeling of it and those sorts of things. So I think it's, uh, it's been great. It's been great to be, to be a part of it and to, to watch both these guys, you know, just hit it out of the park on a weekly basis. It's been unbelievable. Do you ever get the itch to come back? And if, if you do get it, when does it affect you the most? <laughs> no, I don't actually. And I think that's a good thing about when it's taken away from you that like, there's no itch because you know, you can't scratch it. So there's uh, um, I'm fine. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I was, when I, when I went to the, uh, to the Royal Rumble last year and watched Adam come back, I actually got super nervous for him. Cause like, you know, being control freak, you know, you, when you feel like you can't control something, like there's just some, like you get a weird feeling coming over your body. And like, so I actually had to leave before, like I knew he was coming out. So I walked up to watch his entrance, but then I got super nervous for him. Cause I had like no control over it. So I just had to leave. <laughs> I came back when he was in the ring. Cause I was, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of how, where I'm at right now. Were you scared for him? You know, I just, I wasn't scared for him. Cause like, you know, he had kind of walked me through, you know, where he was at and what the doctors had told him all this sort of thing. And I know that he's smart enough um, that he would never do anything to jeopardize his health, having um, two, two kids, you know? So um, if he was confident and, and feeling hundred percent, then that's all I needed to hear. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.